Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls, the home of the greatest rivalry in professional sports between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. This is your Thursday night, Friday morning Red Sox show. We got some of the normal crew here tonight. My name is Pat. I'm here with Luke and Derek. No Joey. He apparently has strep throat, which I'm, I'm sorry, Joey. I don't believe you. Okay. I didn't feel like calling you in the chat. I figured I'd just call you out here. I don't believe you, but it's oh, fine. We can get into it another time. He's been partying it up in Florida. Listen, you can just tell us you've been partying it up in Florida. It's all right. Uh, but the rest of us are here. We're going to keep chugging along. And uh, we got a Red Sox team that I don't know if we're as upset about this week, but I don't know if we're particularly over the moon about um, that's just kind of the way of the Red Sox recently. But before we jump into all of this about the team, I will check with these guys as I always do see how they're doing uh, in the segment that we call first pitch. So, Luke, I will go to you. Give me your first pitch. Uh, my first pitch is that I'm tired. I was reading, I finished an excellent book last night, and I was, I've been reading it for a few weeks, kind of, you know, 10 pages here, 20 pages there. Um, and la- it's a 406-page book. It's called The Big Nowhere by James Elroy, one of my favorite uh, authors, L.A. Confidential, The Black Dahlia. Um, he actually gets mentioned in the column that I'm going to publish tomorrow. Uh, and I, um, I was about, I think I was on page two, two eighty when I started reading at nine o'clock last night and I went to bed at three o'clock in the morning with the book finished. I couldn't stop. Something crazy happened at about the three ten mark. And I was just like, I got to see how this ends. I can't, I can't, I, I knew I wouldn't be able to sleep at all if I tried to go to bed without finishing the book. So, um, you know, uh, beware anybody. If you, if you got a good book and you're gonna sit down at nine o'clock at night and start reading, you could get sucked in to that trap. I know a lot of people read before bed, but I, I do quite often. Uh, this this time it was it got the better of me. Um, I'm probably gonna be paying for it for the next two days. But uh, uh, read the Big Nowhere uh, by James Elroy. Fantastic, unless you need a good night's sleep. Derek, what's up with you? Give me your first pitch. Well, my sleep schedule's off again um, because the last few nights, instead of going to bed, I've been binge-watching either Survivor or Big Brother because I don't have anything else to do with my life. Right now, I'm waiting. I I don't go to school until the end of August, so I'm just like, great, what do I do now? I don't have anything to do besides, you know, make content, do podcasts, write, whatever. So I'm just like, you know what? I don't have to get up at any time. I do nothing to do in the morning. The only thing I have to do is go in a pool that's 88 degrees, which thankfully <laughs> um, it's 88 and not like 78 because I don't like cold pools. I don't know. I'm weird. I don't like it cold. I don't like it under 82. It just bothers me. Um, that's what happens when you live in Florida for, a, what, eight years now? I don't know. Um, the only thing I will say is, um, I know Joey's going to hate me for this if he's listening, but... The MLB draft is Sunday. Please, just take, even if you're not, don't really care about prospects or whatever, trust me, watch the MLB draft. They've gotten better at it, especially televising it recently. The first round, the first day is on ESPN. Uh, it's on ESPN, so just watch it, please. Like, take a little bit of interest into it. And these are kids who could potentially be playing on your big league team. You don't have to follow their path to the minor super, you know, 
scrutinizing super closely, but I think I find drafts with all leagues exciting to watch and you know get kids see get their kind of dreams come true in some sense and you know I and this year the draft is kind of a bit of a crapshoot. No one knows who's going where. It, everything's kind of very unpredictable this year. Um, so even if you're more so just focused on what your team does and not what other teams do, it's still extremely interesting. No one really knows what's going to happen, even with the first pick, which a couple months ago we thought was a lock, right? No one really knows. I think that's what makes it interesting this year. I I mean I a part of me kind of envies the having nothing to do with your life just because with the you know being 41 years old you know got a wife got a two kids got a job uh got a podcast got a column got you know trying to be a, a fiction writer trying to figure out how to be a sports writer i never have free time but so my neighbor got the latest edition of mlb the show the 2023 game and a few weeks ago I come home and I see MLB The Show 2022 just on my doorstep. And so I picked it up and was like, oh, what is this? And so my neighbor, when he got the new game, he gave me the old game. So I started playing it. And now it's like all the time I, I want to play, you know, I want to play MLB The Show. I did a fantasy draft. I built my whole team. And now I'm in this rut where I'm like, I really want to play. And a season's 162 games long. And I'm like 13 don't, don't games. Don't play this- all 162 games. Don't play like I'm one like, game a week throughout the season. Maybe I'm like 13 games into the season. I know, but look, I'm 13 games into the season, and, I, and I'm and i like, you know, if I simulate like a month and I go back and like like Tim Anderson's hitting like 130, I'm going to be upset. I'm like, it's my leadoff hitter. What am I going to do now? Like, it's just uh, – so it's it's a, it's a – right. Don't get like an Adam Duvall. They, he hits like <laughs> 190 in franchise mode. It's awful. Never get Adam Duvall on your team. He also does it uh, ever since he's come off the IL, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> First but, thing uh, I did on, yeah. on MLB, I would do on MLB The Show if I had MLB The Show 23, go to the Red Sox, trade Adam Duvall. He's useless in the game. He's useless. Uh, my first pitch real quick is, uh, obviously the other day was uh, the 4th of July. Hope everybody had a happy and, and healthy holiday. Uh, we went to, uh, Taylor and I went to uh, Washington. We figured, let's go to the nation's capital. Let's go check out a Nats game, like an 11.05 first pitch, right? And I got to say, I never thought I would see the day where Cincinnati fans were louder than, than Washington fans. Um, it, I haven't really, like, gotten the hype of this team, and obviously they're, like, 20 and 6 every time – Ellie De La Cruz starts something like that. Um, but seeing them in person, I was like, wow, like the Reds are legit again. And I, can't, it's like, it's, it's difficult to fathom. <laughs> I don't think it's fair to put all that on Ellie De La Cruz. Like, yes, he has been the piece to put them over there because he's a potential superstar. He's probably the next Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, but they got, they've been built, they got a lot of good pitchers. They got like a well minus the suspension. I mean, I don't think he's gonna be the uh, a total uh, dipstick like Fernando Tatis Jr. is, but that kind of talent. But they've been, but they have a lot of they have a lot of good players on that team, and um, just it's they're they're fun to watch, and it's uh, I'm hoping we'll be able to be that the Red Sox will look like that uh, in uh, 2024, 2025, and beyond. 
But it's not just yeah, Dela Cruz. They are super, yeah, they are. Super, yeah, Matt McLean, Spencer Steer, Matt McLean also rookie got called up uh, only a couple of weeks before Ellie Dela Cruz. He's been really good. Spencer Steer's having a really good year. They just got Joey Votto back. That's a big thing. Jonathan India is having a very solid year. Like this is a complete team, and like they have and and their pitching staff, very young pitching staff too. Like it's a team that's young and they're going to be good for a long time if everything goes right. India hit two home runs that game, including one like probably six feet away from us landed. Uh, and if you go back and you watch the clip of Jonathan India's first um, home run on July 4th, you can see Taylor uh, get in the fetal position and cover her head oh, so God. she doesn't get hit by the home run. <laughs> she has hands. You put your hand over your head, you'll be fine. Might stick well, we could get into this bit. another time, but uh, she got hit by a foul ball last year at Nets Park, so she's a uh, really she's very weary. Yes. <laughs> yes. My wife got hit by a foul ball at Fenway years ago before I even met her. It got her right in the bread basket, like a line <laughs> drive. She was sitting, like she had really good seats on the third base side before they put the nets up, and she she got drilled according according to the story. But if that ball, Pat, that ball landed six feet away from you. That ball's got to be yours. Like, if a ball's within 20 feet of me, like, unless there's an old lady in the way, like, if you're in between me and where that ball's going to land, you're going to be on the ground. I've never even come close to getting a foul ball or a home run ball. And now that I live, it's, I'm, I live three and a half hours away from the closest baseball stadium. So it's, uh, if I ever get the chance between now and the end of my life, then, I mean, if, if somebody's got a, if somebody's got to climb aboard the pain train for, for me to get my souvenir, then so be it. Unfortunately, it landed on the Taylor side of me and not on the open side of me. I think it would have been pretty ruthless to step over her for a Jonathan India home run. Once she recovered, she would understand. I don't think so. All right, let's There's jump into the difference it. between an India homer and an Ellie Dela Cruz homer. Ellie Dela Cruz homer, I'm yeah, jumping and running over people for. For real. All right. Uh... Forget the Reds. Let's talk about the Red Sox, shall we? How you like that? That's why I host the show, okay? Um, things you want to talk about. I feel like Red Sox Twitter has been... I mean, listen, we used to do a segment on the show, things that Pat saw on Red Sox Twitter this week that pissed them off, okay? I thought about bringing it back this week because every single day when a lineup comes out, people explode. Where is Duran? Where is Casas? Why is Wong sitting? I mean, it's just like, I mean, people just go bananas, and there is no understanding that there's, it's a 162-game season, and you have to level it out in some way, right? Uh, the Kyle Ripkins of the world don't exist. Guys get days off. However, the one I will sort of give them is it kind of seems like Tristan Casas is sitting a lot, especially on days that might be good opportunities for him. Uh, Luke, I'll go to you first. Do you feel like uh, Casas is sitting a bunch? You know, I, I just kind of had it out with uh, earlier today with somebody who was not, not, not one of those like Red Sox Twitter trolls, but a guy who normally has a pretty level head on his shoulders. Uh, it was about Duran, not Casas. It was about how is Duran not playing when Nathan Avaldi is in town playing the Red Sox? It's because it's July 6th. And it's one game out of 162 games, and he'll play tomorrow. 
or he could have played today. Would you rather him play today, sit today against the Rangers, or sit tomorrow against the A's? So he, so if if he if he starts, you think they have a better chance of winning? Obviously, that's why you're you're upset about something like this. So maybe he's so maybe him sitting against the Rangers cost you a win against the Rangers. Well, would you feel any better if he sat the next game against the A's and maybe they lose to the A's? The worst team in the league, whose city is now losing their team because they've been so bad for so long. Would you feel any better that they lost to the A's? Like, no, you'd be even more upset. How do you lose to the Oakland A's? Duran should have been playing. Like, same with Casas. Like, you can't play every every day every day of the year, especially the younger guys. Casas is a rookie. Duran is not technically a rookie anymore. I don't think uh, he's played parts of four seasons, um, but he's these guys have to get acclimated to a major league season so they're going to need more off days than your average player none of these guys have played anything close to 162 game season none of these guys have played six seven games a week for five months before ever in their lives so yeah they're they might be scorching hot right now at least duran is uh casas until a few games ago was swinging a hot bat but if you just keep riding them into the ground, they're going to go cold for a longer period of time. They're going to pull something. They're going to hurt themselves. Like, And I get it with Duran right now, not so much with Casas. But Casas, was, Casas has been the best hitter on the team since May 1st, I'm pretty sure. Or one of them. One of the two best hitters on the team since May. But you can't always ride the hot hand because even the hot hand needs to rest. The long season will catch up with you. At, uh, can catch up with you really quick. And um, in Costas' case, maybe his recent surge may have something may have something to do, in large part, to do with him taking so many days off. Maybe he's not. Maybe he was feeling the grind earlier in the year. Maybe he's a little looser now. Maybe he just feels healthier because he's not playing every single day, and his body can recover a little better. He doesn't have anything wear any really wear and tear on him. So it's with rookies. I get it. With guys who are young, I get it. Like, they need more uh, days off than a Rafael Devers is going to need, um, <clears throat> than a Justin Turner is going to need, even though he's an old man, like an Alex, that an Alex Verdugo is going to need, because they're not used to playing a whole major league season. I feel like it's also just like a positional thing. We have too many center fielders. We have too many first basemen, but have to figure out how to play a second baseman and a shortstop every day, you know, like, I mean, you just, there's only so many outfield spots, like, obviously, we like to uh, DH Yoshida for both defensive purposes and, you know, half-rest purposes, right, but then that means that now you're down to Turner or Casas, they've been saying Turner at second base, I'll believe it when I see it, but right now, the position... Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. The positional thing is like the real problem right now. Like, yeah, you know, we'd be we'd be killer if Duran was a shortstop, but he's not. He's a center fielder, and they're trying to get Duvall, you know, to ride his hot hand again because he's stunk it up since he got off the IL, and they want him to get back into rhythm. And if he sits every other day, he's not going to. Derek, and they also want him to play well because he's trade bait. There's also that too. Yeah. Also that side of it too, because. At the end of the day, even, like, if the Red Sox are doing another trade deadline, like, do you need Adam Duvall? Like, you're looking at this roster and you go outfield options. You have Yoshida, Duran, Verdugo, Ref Snyder, that's four outfielders. Kike Hernandez can play the outfield. That's five guys that can play the outfield. Like, do we really need Duvall? Do you think Kike is going to be on this team in August? Yes. Yeah. 
it's, he's Alex Cora's guy. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a higher chance of Arroyo going than Kika. And I think there's a much higher chance because yeah. Kika can play center field. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Kika is also a really good center fielder, which we forget when we like to dog on. Yes. Exactly. The only other thing I will say too, like Arroyo, like wouldn't shock me if you saw like a minor trade out of Arroyo if they were to roll with like Pablo Reyes and Yu Chang up the middle until you saw Trevor Story ready, and Yu Chang's coming back. He's healthy now, which is nice to see with all the setbacks he had, um, which Luke might hate me for because we'll be talking about Yu Chang every week now, uh, most likely. Um, but I. It is a weird situation because, like, yeah, they're they're kind of overloaded in some spots. They don't have enough guys. Well, shouldn't say they don't have enough guys in other spots. They have a, they, everyone in those other spots are injured or aren't good enough. Put it, we'll put it like that. Uh, so yeah, it, it's extremely weird. Um, I mean, what can you really do? Like Duran, Kyle says they need their off days. Also, I think a big factor of that too is. Look at the minor league season. They don't play on Mondays at all. They always, every single week, have a day off. And so even if they were to play every single game in the minor leagues, which they don't, but even if they were, you're getting a day off every week anyways. And most of the time, you're, you'll are you get days off occasionally anyways in the minor leagues. So you're not play, it's not the same kind of workload that a big league team has that you have in an MLB season. And yeah, Duran's been up in Billy's a couple of years now, 21, 22, and now 23, but this is his first time getting in a... This is his longest run in the big league so far, too. Mm-hmm. There's also that. Um, and like I said, it's, it's a little bit of just like logjam. You got to get Duvall going, hopefully, or at least make him look presentable to other teams. You don't want to just bench him all the time because you like you might as well trade him and get something for him because instead of letting him rot on your bench... Um, and hopefully he can be a useful piece while he plays. Um, but even I don't think he's going to play every day. I think they're kind of going to rotate it as much as they can and roll with it. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of hard to play everyone every day when you just don't have enough spots. So with Duval, there's the trade bait thing. I'm sure they want to showcase him to see if they can get anything from a team um, that might need an outfielder. But I also think that they want him to bring some right-handed spark, some extra right-handed spark to that lineup because we've seen it. Like Adam Duvall has made his career going on tears for two weeks at a time where he's he can carry the team on their back like he did the first 10 games of the season. Uh, I just – I'm – really feel bad for him because he got off to such a great start this season he broke his wrist and now he's just searching for that uh, to get his mojo back um plus i was really high on him coming into the season i felt like a genius when he came in and started wrecking everybody the first 10 games and now he can't hit since coming back from his injury um but it's funny it's like you look at the team and you go, oh gosh, look at this. At uh, some days, like look at how thin this this team is. Look at where they have people playing. It's just shortstop. They have a, they have a good left fielder, a good center fielder, a good right fielder, a really good third baseman. They have a couple good guys who can play second base, a couple good guys who can play first base. Uh, one good catcher right now, the ones on the IL, but they have negative four shortstops. They don't have anybody like above double a that can play shortstop worth a lick it's just so funny well i mean chang is coming back tomorrow i guess but it's just so funny how that works you feel you look you know you think about the teams like oh geez these injuries but yeah the injuries are of the starting rotation but as far as position players you just need one shortstop 
and they can't get it. And I, I mean, even Chang, he's like half a shortstop because he doesn't really hit. Just I just yeah, well, like why why is Yu Chang the savior? No kidding, he's not. <laughs> he's a replacement level player. Derek says he's better he is, than but he's this not. Year. I mean, well, yeah, he's a, well, sa- he's a savior I mean, when you compare him to what David Gow. Hamilton. <laughs> and David I just, Hamilton, I, would, I, I, I will say David Hamilton. There's been some talk from certain people in the know that have been like, yeah, he's not going to be a shortstop at the big league level, which, you know. Well, yeah, he's not I mean, a shortstop. Look he's at him. I mean, if you got eyes, I mean, he's like, got fringy yeah. arm. He's got a very fringy arm for sure. His, his arm is a second baseman arm. He doesn't have shortstop instincts, I don't think. And that's the thing. It's like we're also like down like the most valuable defensive position, which yeah. is you know very. We're not missing a first baseman here, you know. You know, and I would just love to see what this defense will would look like will look like when Story comes back, assuming he's healthy. Knock on Formica or whatever this uh, IKEA crap is, but it's uh, I just I would just love to see what because I think their defense will be perfectly fine because their weakest links will be at third base and left field when Story comes back. Everyone else can field pretty well, but it, that's still a month away if we're lucky. Uh, also, I just want to throw this in really quickly. It's not in the agenda, but, I mean, Jorge Alfaro coming back, I, I don't know why this excites me so much, okay? I liked it when he was hanging out in AAA. I was ready. Somebody goes down, get a little Aquaman action. You know, he's never going to be the best player in the world. He's not a good catcher, but likable guy. I like him around. DFAM, he sucks in Colorado. And now he's back because Caleb Hamilton literally never collected a hit ever. <laughs> Poor kid. Uh, I don't I, know. I, 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 go ahead, Derek. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I, like, I, I don't know if I said it here, but I said it, I said it at some point. Like, Caleb Hamilton, like, he can give you at least a little bit even, so he's not hitting at all. Like, And Jorge Alfaro is like, he's not going to give you any defense, but he might hit a little bit. And, like, he has the upside of a guy who can at least hit, right? And so at least, like, okay, we know he sucks at catcher. He's only going to play once every while, every while in ca- at catcher. Can you hit? If he can hit, which I know he didn't do in Colorado, but maybe it's a different situation in Boston. If he can hit, which he was doing very well in AAA, who the heck knows? You might at least have a backup catcher who you can put in there one every fifth day or something that, you know, still he, sucks to fight. But at least he might hit. He's the kind of guy, say Wong gets dinged up, has to miss like three games, and Alfaro catches for three games, and he hits two home runs during that time. He's going to be the fa- the favorite son. He's going to be everybody's favorite Red Sox player. And even if after that he doesn't get a hit for the next two months, you know, whenever the team is struggling, because he's only catching one every five games probably, people are going to be saying, we need more Alfaro. Just DH Alfaro every day. I don't know what you're doing. We all know he can do it. He's got the hair, and he can drop bombs. So he- he's the type of guy that people love. They just want to love him so much. They just want him to be an important member of the team. He's never going to be. <laughs> Those are the bad Twitter takes that I can get down with, Luke. Okay, I'm all right with that. I've yeah. seen it so many times. I've seen it so many times. I saw it, I think, two days ago. Hamilton, you know, did something like 0 for 4, I'm sure. And it was like this, This like, the, I, the tweet I saw was something like, this organization, uh, like, Another organizational failure 
by not having Alfaro on the roster on opening day. And, like, this person obviously had no clue that he had been DFA'd, like, three hours before by the Rockies. But it's like, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, If only we had Alfaro around. If if Colorado doesn't have space for you, if Colorado (laughs) is like, dude, you stink. (laughs) You are washed up. I I, I do have to say this on Jorge Alfaro, though. I do actually have to say this part on him. This is actually, you know what? This has actually worked out pretty damn well for the Red Sox because originally, if he got called up to the majors before the Red Sox uh, DFA'd him and released him, or not real DFA him, uh, or he had like an opt out, or was it upward mobility clause? Something I forget exactly what it was, but the Red Sox were gonna have to pay him two million in the majors, and it would be prorated to two million for whenever he was in the big leagues. Now because he went to Colorado, and then I think it was upward mobility, so Colorado just takes that contract. Then, you know, obviously Colorado DFA's him, comes back to Boston. Now it's prorated to the league minimum, so the Red Sox just save money. By not having so them on their AAA team for like three weeks. So that's just something his agent worked into his contract, right? That's not like an automatic escalator that uh, goes towards service time or anything. That's just something that got worked into his contract, right? His contract essentially was, um, I don't remember if he was, an, uh, I think he had an upward mobility clause in front of another team. Right, so it's a clause or... that was put in his contract. It's not something yes, everybody is privy to if they have a certain amount of minor league slash yeah. major league service time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, it's someone that his agent, sometimes guys get opt out, sometimes it's an upward mobility clause, which means if no one else wants to put him on the big league roster, the Red Sox get to keep him, which is what happened after spring training, which is, I'm pretty sure, which is why they got to keep him. Yeah. Whereas, it's like Tapia only guys. Had, I'm pretty sure Tapia had a straight up opt out, I think. Maybe, it's I might like be wrong only, on that, but. It's like only guys who hit dingers. Get that clause. <laughs> All right. So speaking of uh, crazy Twitter takes, let's read um, some of Luke's from the past couple weeks. You tweeted this on June twenty third. Oh, I didn't and, sanction this. <laughs> and then you tweeted this again yesterday on July fifth, where you said Brian Bayo, eight years, a hundred and fifty mil. Yesterday. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I sanctioned. Give it to me. I, I I think we've seen enough. The only reason why not to lock him in right now would be in case he's injured, in case he, they might have something in the medicals, he might have had something kind of barking at him, his shoulder, his elbow in the past. I know he had some forearm tightness at the beginning of the season. Clearly that hasn't been an issue. But he's he's pitching like an ace as a rookie. His last five games before... So I saw this, I pulled this from Twitter, so that's why I don't have the updated stats. His last five games before Wednesday's game against the Rangers, he, he had 34 and two-thirds innings pitched, 6.8 innings pitched uh, per start, a 185 uh, batting average against, 24 strikeouts, 7 walks, and a 1.82 ERA. And then Wednesday night against the Rangers, he gets the win, 7 innings pitched, Eight hits, excuse me, eight hits, which is kind of a lot. Two earned runs, only three strikeouts, but zero walks. So the strikeout numbers may not seem that expect um, impressive. Only it's he's even he's said this too. He's because of the situation the Red Sox pitching staff is in. He's pitching to contact to keep his pitch count. Uh, low, so he can eat more innings, so that they they can te- they the bullpen can get some more relief. It's such a 
mature approach that I'm impossible. I'm amazed that a 24 year old uh, can make work. Um, and it's the kind of he has the kind of stuff and the kind of approach that you want anchoring a staff and that you want him as he gets older that you want him passing on this kind of knowledge to younger pitchers that come up behind him uh it's he if he keeps pitching like this all he's going to do is drive his value up even higher and this is the trend now you you get a a star player that you think is going to be a piece long term you lock him up and I think that makes all the sense in the world. Eight years, $150 million right now. He's set for life with that contract. He's he's locked in. He's under te- he'd be under team control until he's 32 years old. And you've got that. Even if he doesn't become an ace, I see his floor as being a really good number three pitcher. So unless injuries happen, if an injury happens, then yeah, that kind of contract means you're screwed. And then everyone says like, well, you had him for five under control for five more years. Why'd you jump the gun? I'm still like, you know, you locked up Garrett Whitlock early. You know, I think uh, given what they gave Bayo, uh, gave Whitlock, I think Bayo deserves uh, something uh, commensurate with what I'm saying. I understand what I'm proposing is a little high, but uh, I think he'd be worth every penny. I'm, I'll just say, and like with Luke, I know you said you think it might be a little high. I think that might be higher than they need to go for him. Because um, also, too, you got to remember, he's still in his arbitration years, right? Is this year's his first, or is this year's second arb year? I don't remember off the top of my head. But regardless, like, he's still got at least one more arb year after this year. He still has his arbitra I mean, pre-arb year, I mean, after this year, at least one more pre-arb year. He's got his arbitration years still even after that. Um, so overall, like... You're not really paying him free agent money until, what, 2028, is it? Uh, it's actually till 2029. He has two more pre-arb years after this and then three arbitration years. Those five years is a total. Pre-arb years, you can, if you can give him, like, $2 million, $3 million, and then on the arb years, bump it up to, like, $8 million, $12 million, $15 million, and then the free agent years, you bump it up to, like, $25. For, and then you give him, like, that's already five years before the free agent years you kick in like five free agent years at like 25 a piece 25 to 30 a piece like go like 25 26 26, whatever like you're looking at a very solid deal and it's still not that expensive at all right i think so so realistic it's it and i think that's the thing you pay by bayo by if you extend him yes do you pay him a little bit more in in the pre-rb years and arbitration years most likely yeah you probably pay him a little bit more then but once he hits free agency you're most likely getting him at a lower cost um, and I just throw out those numbers randomly. Those aren't, like, actual numbers that are, like, what an actual extension would be. I'm just kind of throwing out numbers. I think, eight, like I said, though, I think 8 for 150 might even be a little bit much. Um, I think you can probably look for, like, 10, 175, maybe? I'd oh, go 10. 10, 175. I'd go 10. 10. I'd go 10. Wow. Okay, I has thought... He, has, I, he, has he made 10 were, starts? I mean, like, 10? Yes, yes. I would go 10. I thought you were saying... Jo- I thought... I thought you were saying I was I was giving him too much. No, I think it might not even be in. I think I think that might be more than what you would need to sign him over eight years. Hell yeah! Thing is, I, I paying him until he's thirty four. How how many starting pitchers even make it till their thirty four year season before they they're two Tommy John surgeries deep uh, these days? Yeah, but at the he, end of the, he is, at the same time, though, you have one Tommy John surgery. It's not like it's the end of your career either. There's also that now. Yeah, I mean, he does seem like a really special 
kind of pitcher though like to show that kind of maturity that he does right now he'll be down three and one on a guy he'll throw a sinker i don't know if it's a, a two-seam fastball or a sinker it always registers as a sinker on the nesson gun but it's like and he'll throw he'll throw a pitch with movement uh that'll just break right over the corner I, he he just he has such a good feel uh, for his stuff, it's 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 amazing. He's only twenty four. The Pedro comparisons are not nearly as crazy uh, right now as they seemed a year ago. <laughs> yeah, I still don't like to put those on him because I like I don't like like Pedro. Like Pedro's a you know Hall of Famer, but like he's looking like a guy who is a legit potentially is going to be a legit ace in this league for a long time. And the re- and I will slightly go out on that 10-year deal I'm proposing with like a 10-year deal. You put like club options on it in terms of like the last couple you put like a club option on it or you put like a vesting option or something like that. So like if he pitches a certain amount of innings, he gets a or a club option just to, you know, in case stuff goes drastically wrong, you have an out on the deal on the back end, but you know Adam Duvall just upped that trade value with a double to the left field corner. There you go. Heck yeah. Um, all right. So lots going on in uh, the month of July, right? We'll start game next week uh, where Alex Verdugo will be sitting on his couch. We have uh, the draft on Sunday for the next couple of days. Obviously, the, the month ends with the trade deadline. We've, we've hinted at this conversation a little bit earlier, what to do with Duvall. Right, uh, Kike, uh, we haven't yet mentioned James Paxton. These guys might, though, uh, because we're going to do a little buy or sell, okay? Last year, the Red Sox did a little buy and did a little bit of selling, right? Not as much selling as people wanted, not nearly as much buying as people wanted, and kind of just came out the other end the same. I mean, n- not long-term, obviously. Some, some big long-term changes, but in terms of uh, how the rest of the season was going to go, people were upset that... This team sniffing a wild card spot didn't really improve that team. Well, if I were to bet, I would say that they're going to do the same thing again this year. Uh, but I'm not going to let them get away with that, right? This is buy or sell. They have to pick, is this team buying or is this team selling? Okay. If they're buying, what are they going to do? What are they going to pick up and, and how are they going to improve this team? If they're selling, who are they selling? Where are they going? All that kind of stuff. Derek, I know what you're going to say, but say it anyway. If, because I'm not going to be giving out the full answers to these questions most likely because I did write a column on the Red Sox trade deadline uh, this week, actually. So check that out, please, on bleacherballs.com. That is true. He's got a bunch of those options there, but he's saving a special one for the pod, I'm sure. Uh, So we're going to let him go last. Luke, buy or sell? Well, that most important thing is to pick a lane, which they didn't do last year. They should have unloaded Evaldi. They should have unloaded J.D. Martinez. Just gotten whatever you could for him. Uh, I blame uh, FSG not letting Bloom uh, go full go full fire sale last year. It's just my theory. I don't have any evidence behind it, as I often don't when I give my opinions here. But uh, I, I'm saying, number one, you got to pick a lane. And number two, that lane's got to be to sell. Sure, they're over 500 as of right now. It's the seventh inning, and they're losing. In 20 minutes, they may be under. They may be at 500 again. Um, uh, they're clearly not a contender as constituted, especially with this rotation with 
everybody in this rotation injured, essentially, ex- except James Paxton, which is the irony of all ironies, and Bayo. Um, but so it makes no sense to trade away any assets, uh, either assets, good players you have on your team that are under contract. Um, after 2020 uh after this season that are under contract past 2023 doesn't make any sense to trade away any of them and it certainly doesn't make sense to trade away any minor league assets for a push in 2023 when there's four teams ahead of you in your division and you're like five games out of the second wild card spot so i say you got to sell and my sell move would be, I mean, I'm not Derek. I'm not, I don't have the, I'm, I don't have my finger on the pulse of everybody's farm system, what young players, you know, would make sense moving forward. So, I mean, the best I could come up with was trade to trading Adam Duvall and James Paxton. That's right. And James Paxton, because I, I think anybody to, that signs him beyond 2023 is crazy. So trade Adam Duvall and James Paxton for the best young AAA starting pitcher you can possibly find. Or, you know, I I did a little bit of research uh, before we went on the air. Um, If you can trade Duval and Paxton, say, to the Cincinnati Reds for a Graham Ashcroft or a Brandon Williamson, um, then go for it. The Reds are hot right now. Ellie De La Cruz is uh, taking the world by storm. Uh, If they're looking, if they'd be willing to unload uh, a, a guy that's a developing starting pitcher in exchange for a guy like Paxton, who's guns blazing right now that could help a playoff run, uh, then, yeah, go for that. So I'd say Adam Duvall and James Paxton to the Reds for one of Brandon Williamson or Graham Ashcroft. What do you think, Dave? I, I'm look, I don't honestly... Um, so wait, you want my cell move or do you want me to respond to what Luke said? Uh, no, I, I'm interested in, in your response to, to Luke's, maybe some of his names that he threw out there. Um, I think, I, like, as much as I like Ashcraft m- more, I don't necessarily think the Red Sox are going to be able to pry him with a Paxton and, uh, and Duvall package. Williamson is interesting. I think maybe you could pry him. Um, I think he's probably the more likely piece. I think you probably get William, maybe Williamson and an additional piece. Um, like a smaller piece back as well. Um, but I mean, that's, you know, all we'll to see. Um, I will, Luke and I, at some point we're going to have a YouTube video, whether it's tomorrow or sometime next week on James Paxton. Um, and I will kind of discuss, I went to it in, in my column, but I'll discuss kind of the options they'll have, they have with Paxton and some, the interesting option where they don't trade him, but they don't necessarily are looking to extend him. And they kind of go for the qualifying offer route, um, which is definitely, uh, oh my gosh, did Kike get a hit? Oh my lord. All right, well, Kike Hernandez did something. 6-5 Red Sox in the bottom of the seventh. They are leading the Rangers. 6-5. I've changed my answer. We are buying at the deadline, folks. <laughs> we might be above 500 tomorrow. God. I know, the they still have to get say about... six more outs. <laughs> say about Luke saying the buying is last year I don't think the buying and selling was the problem I actually I think we're looking back at it I'm fine with them keeping Evaldi because they gave him the qualifying offer the problem was not getting under the luxury tax and they could have just done that with one more move and that was getting rid of JD Martinez for literally anything just don't don't even take anything back just get rid of him get under the luxury tax 
right? I Like, that was the move because at least your compensation picks for Bogarts and Evaldi, now that we know they left, you know, they would have been better picks, a lot better picks, right? They would have been before the third round instead of after the fourth round. So it's about 70 picks earlier that you would get your picks, which is a big deal, right? Especially in terms of slot money in the MLB draft. Uh, so I think that was really the main problem. The problem last year was a move they, moves they didn't make, which was getting under the luxury tax. This year, I think they can definitely straddle the line. My sell move, I definitely think Duvall gets flipped. Um, where he gets flipped, I think it's interesting. I did say Atlanta was a potential spot in my column because, you know, they could use a fourth outfielder that could platoon with Eddie Rosario. Also, too, if Acuna or Harris or Rosario get hurt, you know you can throw Duvall in there and be fine. Um, Andy's had success in Atlanta. Atlanta loves him. Um, the Reds are in, I don't think the Reds are going to make the most sense for Duvall. Um, I think for Paxton they do, not necessarily for Duvall, though. Um, Duvall's also interesting, though. I think if you're, he's going anywhere, it's going to be as, like, a fourth outfielder, uh, maybe a platoon guy. Um, but I don't know if a team's going to look at him as the upgrade for a starting outfielder. I think they'll look higher than Duvall if they're someone who's better than Duvall if they're looking for a you know, everyday outfielder. Oh, and now it is eight to five Red Sox. Oh, no, it's seven to five Red Sox. Um, <laughs> Close enough. I think the Reds are going to – would definitely be up to getting a left uh, – an outfielder. Um, this could be an old uh, snapshot of their roster, but it looks like they just have three outfielders on their roster. Uh, Will Benson, no, Jake Fraley – and TJ Friedel. Nick Senzel also plays the outfield, and Spencer Steer has been playing the outfield, too. Spencer Steer. Okay, he's listed here as a first baseman. Who was the first one you yep. said? Uh, Nick Senzel. Nick Senzel. All right, he's not even on here, and it says they have three catchers on the roster as well. So yes, this could be a really catchers. old uh, roster uh, screenshot. But anyway, that was why I picked them for... I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I think you can get any. I mean, look what happened this year. Unload Duval, he's on a one-year deal. Unload Paxton, he's on a one-year deal. Unload Kike, he's on a one-year deal. To get as many pitchers as you can, the Tampa Bay Rays model, you get, you get as, you you get seventy-five starting pitchers. And just stash him in the organization, stash him in the Cape League, stash stash him in the Mexican League, the Florida Complex League, wherever you can, just so they are at an arm's length whenever. And just develop as many as you can because that's just the way baseball is. You have 15 start. The Red Sox came into this season. They thought they felt they had 12 options to be starting pitchers, and right now they have three. They have three in their rotation, be it, uh, be it by injury or being moved to the bullpen or just not being good enough. Uh, so you can't have enough. And so I think whenever you got you got a lame duck player and you are you don't have a realistic shot, now it's 8-5, to five, and you don't have a realistic shot at contending, unload whoever you can for young pitchers. That's, that's my thing now. Uh, at, Starting starting last year, it, gather as many pitches as you possibly can. I think the pro- only problem you run into is you have to look at guys who are going to be on the forty man and off the forty man too. Because at, as, at the same time as like getting guys forty man depth is great, 
there's like there's only so many 40 man spots too so i think that's where also some of the thing comes in where you might have to go out and get some a t like a john schreiber type guy who's you know on here or a guy who's off a 40 man somewhere in a triple a team doing maybe doing well in triple a but hasn't had mlb success i think that's a little bit where you like got or like a guys like a brandon bernardino who they brought in i think that's where you have to go looking at so for some points yes you can also bring in other guys too that are yes on the 40 man or some more highly thought of um but like like the only reason i say just you know you can only bring in so many of those guys too at the same time because, like I said, there's only so many 40-man roster spots. I would bring in an extra pitcher and just list him on the roster as a second baseman. Like, yeah, he's he, yeah he, he's our second baseman. We, we've it been trying him either. there it goes in the minors. And... Innings or games played. What do you mean? The you can't list someone at a, as a position they haven't played. So like for example, it, you have like for example, Shohei Otani can only be listed as a two way player because he's pitched more than twenty innings and appeared in more than twenty games as a DH in the previous season. So for example, if you if you want a pitcher to be listed as a two way player or, you know, to not have to fall into the pitcher designation of thirteen pitchers on your MLB roster, they'd have to play twenty games at a position. Well, that's overregulation, if you ask me. The libertarian in me <laughs> does not does not appreciate that. You can't tell me where I can play my players. Well, you can still put them at second base, but you got to play in there twenty games before he doesn't count as a pitcher <laughs> on your roster. Just after the first out, he moves to the mound. Hey, he played second yes, base. Yes, he starts there. You shift him over. No, it's just There's our your ship. opener. Yeah, we have. Uh, <laughs> You have Garza pitch one inning, right? And your second baseman comes in. All right, we're getting off track. And it's the Red Sox, so you move him to shortstop because he's, he's as good as any other shortstop on the team. Oh, gosh. I don't know, Pat. Do you have a sell move or do we want to do a buy moves? Um, I don't. I, I didn't come up with anything. I'm the host. I'm here to serve you both. And I tr also truly believe that um, they're, they're just going to kind of fiddle-faddle. I know Luke said... They can't do it. They can't do it. They got to go in cell mode. I think that, I mean, <clears throat> seriously, transport yourself back a year, okay? Would Tommy Pham have ever been on your radar? Would Reese McGuire, I didn't know who Reese McGuire was until we traded for him, okay? I mean, like, <clears throat> these, I don't think we're going to anticipate really anything that's going to happen, for better or for worse. I, I will say this too, like in terms of like buying and selling, it's not going to be buying for rentals. It's going to be more so almost like buying for beyond 20, 2023. So like for example, better be. If we want to take it if we want to take it to my column, I've suggested a buy Go move and going after Aaron Bummer because if the White Sox are blowing it up, he's a guy. He's under contract, including his team options through twenty twenty six. I know he's got like a six thirty five ERA this year. A couple blups early in the year. In his last, I think, 16 or 18 appearances or whatever it was, he's got like a three ERA with like a two-something, like a 220 or 230 FIP. Um, and over the course of his career, very solid setup, man. The one thing the Red Sox don't have this year and beyond this year is a lefty, you know, setup man, a lefty who you can trust in the back end of the bullpen. They don't really have that piece. Um, and you can never have enough arms, similar thing. And he's also very kind of cost-controlled. He's making $3.5 I think, this year. I think it's like then it's like five next year and then it's seven point two five and seven point five club options for twenty five and then twenty six. 
So, like, it's a very, it's not an expensive deal at all for what he is. And if you are getting a guy who can be, a, you know, one of the best, one of the better lefty setup men in all of baseball, like, you take it, right? Now, you're going to have to give up a little bit, but with the farm system growing and then the draft coming on top of two coming, you know, this weekend, you're looking at adding more pieces to a farm system that already has a lot of depth. You can potentially move guys, especially guys up the middle who don't really have spots in the minor leagues because there's so many guys up the middle. You know, maybe those are guys who you maybe look at moving because you don't just don't really have a spot for them. A guy like a, you know, like one of the trade pieces I said maybe go to the White House, Matthew Lugo, he's an infielder, but he's playing left field this year in Portland because they you, there's no room for him in the infield, right? Stuff like that. So they, there's definitely abundances. Yes, have, he's having north. But the point is, though, like there's an abundance of guys at certain positions where maybe it's a guy who you'd prefer to keep, but you have so much depth at the position, it's not going to be like a massive loss if you do trade him. And I think that's kind of what you're looking at. Guys who maybe prospects you trade, bring in a piece for, yes, the rest of 23, but also beyond and into the future years as well. And Bummer still hasn't even reached 30. I think he's still only like 28 or 29. So still in the prime of his career. Uh, like a, pe- well, like a move a, like that, I think, would help. It's a moot point anyway because the Red Sox are now up 9-5 to five on the Rangers in the 7th, and they are now buyers at the 10-5. 10-5. to, five. <laughs> Ten to five. Let's Look at that. That's a, that's okay. I'm I'm gonna go very quickly on this rant and then we'll move on because we're gonna get the show done in under an hour. Okay. <laughs> if anybody wants them to go straight by because there's just a couple games out of the wild card and all we need is Trevor Story back and all of our pitchers have been injured and you know maybe we can make a run. You are an idiot. Okay. I will just straight up say it. We there's we would I, I'd be shocked if we made it out of a wild card series. Okay. No way in hell we'd make it out of a division series. No way, okay? There you get are, to play the AL Central winner, right? There are... I don't know, man. I mean, there are so many teams in this division that are just straight up better than us, even on our best days. And to imagine that like we could make any sort of legitimate run, is just, it's just like selfish. And it, it completely unrealistic, and I think it's that kind of thinking that ownership was thinking. That's the kind of thinking that ownership should have taken. Again, assuming that they just didn't let Bloom sell everything off last season. You know, who two games out of the wild card, second wild card spot or not last year? Who in the right mind thought this that team, those 2022 Red Sox, were going to make the playoffs? And if they did make the playoffs, they were going to be anybody in a wild card series. It's you have to be realistic of it. It's not just oh, they're only one game over five five hundred. That's not very good. It's, there's four teams ahead of them in their division, and that's after they have absolutely dominated both the Yankees and the Blue Jays all season long so far, and they're still in fifth place. Uh, it's just not going to happen not this year. The World Series because they can't beat the NL at home. Yes. So they can make it to the World Series, but they can't win any home games in the World Series. Yes, yes exactly. I just, like, That's my point. I mean, you look at this wild card. I mean, yes, you know, we're, what is it, 5-1 and one against the Yankees, right? But you look at the three wild card teams right now, Baltimore, Houston, New York, we are not better than any of those teams. We're just not. And I, I don't believe in them for a, a wild card series really at all. Uh, Toronto, a game ahead of us. Uh Anaheim, same record. I mean, like, it's – I don't 
I'd pick in any of those teams over us. I'll take we my are shot over praying. whoever's winning the AL Central in the wild card round. We are praying for Pablo Reyes to come back. I mean, like, <laughs> please, God, give us Pablo so Reyes. Than what we have. He is the second coming because of what we That's have. That's the point. And, like, that's a bad team. That's a team that, like, even if we did make the playoffs, I would just be miserable watching every game. I'd be miserable, okay, because I knew it was coming to an end very soon. And It'd be like watching them play the Blue Jays last season. Like, just coming into the game, you just know, all right, how ugly is this going to be? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just like, um, just like, it would just, like, ruin my weekend, you know? It would just be a terrible weekend. And so, like, I would much rather miss the playoffs even if it's just, oh, man, we just missed it by two games. We were so close. If it means we get better next year, because next year is where we, we start to ramp up. Okay, we're going to move on. Whoever's I'm the, done with my pitch now. I was going to say, whoever's the 16 in the ALs beating up on whoever wins the AL Central? I'm making that prediction now. <laughs> in the wild card. Gosh, I don't know. Okay, <laughs> well, we, we will continue this conversation, I'm sure, as the trade deadline approaches. Uh, very quickly, it's always quick, because it is time for From Farm to Family Presents Derek's minor leaguer of the month for the month of June, okay? Because it's his minor leaguer of the month, he gets a full 90 seconds this week. I'm setting my timer, 90 seconds to say anything he wants to say about his minor leaguer of the month, and I bet you I know who it is. All right, Derek, go. All right. The uh, prospect of the month for June uh, in the Red Sox system, I'm rolling with Sedan Rafaela. Um, I mean, my personal favorite prospect in the system, so maybe a little bit of bias, but like, He's had an amazing month so far. Um, he played 19 games in AA in June, three games in AAA. Um, over the month of June, he had 337 with a 361 on base and a 562 slugging and 98 plate appearances, eight doubles and four home runs. Also throwing in 10 stolen bases. Um, I think he's still the leader in the Eastern League in AA for stolen bases. He had 30 stolen bases in AA so far this year. Also, elite defense all the time. Um, and center. He also has really good defense at shortstop too. Um, he's currently, which wacky was now. He's currently uh, he had a, well he had a hit in 19 of the 22 games he played in in June. He's currently on a hit, six game hitting streak. And as of, t- I don't know about tonight's game about the Woosocks game tonight, but he currently has a hit coming into today, j- July 6th. He has a hit in 36 of his last 41 games. I mean, that's, that's just really good, right? There's no other way to put it. If you have a hit in 36 of 41 games, like, that's really good. Um, and he's a guy who, definitely more of a floor guy than a ceiling when you talk about process, although the ceiling still is very high for him. But, like, he's a guy, his defense, he'll be on a big league roster at some point. It's just what can he do with the bat, how big an impact can he make. But he's my favorite prospect in the system, and I'm very, very excited to see what he does the rest of this year. Just in time. And he was, like you just touched on, he was supposed to be, like, the guy who's going to play great defense. He's He could be one of the best center fielders in the league, but can he hit? Can he hit at the major league level? And, yeah, we don't know that he can hit at the major league level, but his bat has certainly grown by leaps and bounds uh, in this last, what, two years? I love uh, Minor League of the Month. I always love your Minor League segment, Derek, but it's sometimes Minor League of the Week is, like, this guy pitched once last night. He threw two innings, and he did pretty well. I love my little monk. It's like, it's top-tier guys. It's the names we want to hear, and it's the good stuff. Wasn't, um, last, I, week's, I told us, wasn't last week's minor leaguer of the week a guy who they just acquired who had started <laughs> one game? <laughs> I think so. Derek, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. 
Um, last week, I was more so excited about Dennis, Denilson Lamette getting signed. Oh, God. We don't have time for this. I'm excited. getting this out in 60 minutes. Save it for next week when I'm not here. So, uh, all the places you can find us. Okay, bleacherbrawls.com. All the comms that we hint at. YouTube, back up and running. Go find us over there. TikTok, Twitter, for as long as that lasts. At Bleacher Brawl. Um, all of our individual Twitters in the description of this episode. This Red Sox show comes out every Thursday, no, Friday morning. I get confused. It's, we record on Thursday nights. It comes out on Friday mornings, okay? Um, I will not be here next week, very sadly. I will be uh, headed towards uh, the beach to visit family, which, as Joey calls it, strep throat. Um, so I will not be here. However, uh, these guys will be here chugging along, doing some post-All-Star game stuff, and looking forward to the second half, okay? Uh, the Rivalry Show, that's Sox and Yanks, comes out every Monday. Yankee Show on Wednesdays, us on Fridays. We have a very special guest on next Friday's episode. I'm just going to tease it a little bit, but you're going to want to tune in. Uh, it stinks that I can't be here. I was going to say I can't wait to listen to it during our drive, but I realized that's why I can't be here. I'll be driving. I won't <laughs> be listening to it, but I'll listen to it the next day, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think that covers it. This podcast, rate us five stars, give us a nice review, hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Do all the things that you do for your favorite content creators. Hit subscribe, like, share, tell your friends, and uh, we're going to keep doing what we're doing, and we want you to be along with us for the second half of this season where apparently the Red Sox are buyers. Right, Luke? 10 to 5, bases loaded now. Oh, no, Duvall just struck out. So the inning ended. <laughs> now we're going to sell Duvall. Struck out, and Duvall struck out to kill the rally. They're sellers again. <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you uh, next week. All right, folks. That's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in, for rating us five stars, and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on BleacherBrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.